0: Uh, today, we are going gonna to continue our series called Relationship Status, and this is going to be the last message that specifically talks to married couples. Next week, we're going to be um, really gearing everything towards singles, and so, um, so today's the last day. But if you're single in the room today, or if you're watching and you're single today, this is still for you. Like, if you ever have a desire to get married... Um, then these are going to be some things that you need to be looking for in the person that you're thinking about marrying one day. Um, If you're a teenager today, these are some good habits and things that you need to build into your life right now so that you can be somebody's someone, right? Um, Before we get into this today, um, I'm going to just tell you a little story uh, there was. This isn't actually in the Bible, I don't think. I mean, I've looked through Genesis. I haven't found this yet, but maybe, you know, in some other Bible it's out there. But um, there's a story that Adam one night kept staying out late. He kept staying out late every night, and Eve started getting suspicious of Adam staying out late. And, um, and so finally one day she confronted Adam, and she said, I know what you're doing. You're running around with another woman. Admit it. And Adam said, Eve, you are the only woman like I'm not running around with anybody you're the only woman you are woman you're the only one and so um so that night Adam was asleep and while he was asleep he kept feeling something poking him and he finally woke up and Eve just kept jabbing her fingers he said what are you doing she said I'm counting your ribs (laughs) (laughs) it's a good dad joke um all right so today we're going to be talking about we're going to talk about Adam and Eve actually in just a few minutes um, because I think Adam and Eve are important in where we're going today. Today we're going to be talking about the roles in marriage: what role you play as a husband, what role you play as a wife. And I think it's very important that we discover these roles that we're supposed to be playing, and then how to operate within those roles. How many of you have ever been on a on a sports team before, and you were playing out of position? Who knows what I'm talking about, right? You were playing out of position. I played basketball in high school for a little bit, not very long. As you can tell um, by looking at me, I do not look like a basketball player. Um, I was not very good. I was what you called um, end of the bench guy, right? Like I was not just on the bench. I was at the very end of the bench. I was the guy who if we were up by 30 and the coach remembered my name, I might get in the game, right? Right? And so I remember the coach would always throw me into the game, um, and at my tallest in my lifetime, I've only been five foot ten. and for whatever reason, when coach would put me in the game, he'd put me in at center. And if you don't know anything about basketball, center is typically where your biggest people play, and so I would always have to go in. Now, the high school I went to was small, and we didn't play very big schools, but I would still have to, on the few occasions I would get in the game, I would have to go up against guys that were six four, six five, six six. And I was, at the time, probably 5'8", and so it was not a good comparison. I played out of position, and it was always uncomfortable, and it never worked out very well for me, right? Um, And so sometimes whenever we're out of position, where we're not in the role we're supposed to be in, um, it it really can, A, hurt your performance as an athlete, uh, but it can hurt the the team's performance. I was was listening to, my, my wife is a big Auburn fan, and so... Um, that means we have to watch a lot of Auburn basketball. And so they were talking about, what's it, the big kid's name, Kessler, I think. And, uh, and he's just like blocking every shot. He's setting records and um, he's scoring and getting double-doubles and triple-doubles. And he's just, he's playing out of his mind right now. But they talked about how he used to play at North Carolina and he transferred to Auburn. And part of the reason he transferred to Auburn was because North Carolina was putting him in a position where he wasn't that good. In Auburn, Bruce Pearl was allowing him to play in a way, in a position, and in a way that, that best suited his abilities. In marriage, what happens sometimes is, is sometimes we get our roles reversed. And we get the roles in marriage messed up, and we're playing outside of our position. And then we wonder why marriage is so frustrating, and it's because we're not in the right role. Dad, you better be careful a Manning at the wrong time, right? He didn't let me finish the sentence, and I said, "We wonder why marriage is frustrating." And he said, "Yes, yes. I wonder that." You're gonna, you're not gonna be wondering very much in a few minutes. Um, let's move on quickly for his sake. So there's a couple of there's a couple of words that we're gonna talk about today. Um, a couple of S words that we don't necessarily always like, right? The word submit, right off the bat, like, how many of you women, when I said the word submit, immediately, like, recoiled on the inside? Show me your hands. Okay, good, good. Perry, raise that hand real big and tall, baby. I got a lesson for you today, submission. Um, yikes, that right there, like, all of a sudden, people are like, oh, I'm turning them off. I promise you, it won't be bad. Um, so, a couple of S words we're going to talk about right off the bat. Number one is the word Suitable. Suitable. How would you like to hear that if your spouse, let's say you're getting married um, or you're doing your vows. um, Ladies, how would you like this? If your husband looked at you and said, baby, you are suitable. Anybody enjoy that term? No, nobody enjoys that term. Suitable sounds terrible, right? It sounds like you're just good enough. Uh, But here's the thing. The Bible says this in Genesis chapter two, verse 18. Here's what the Bible says. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. Amen, women? You know it's not good for your man to be alone. He's messed up by himself. He needs all the help he can get. And so it's not good for man to be alone. But here's what the Bible says. I will make a helper suitable for him. Perry, you are suitable for me. You are suitable for me. What does that word mean? In the Hebrew, that word means that which is opposite and corresponds to. That which is opposite. So in other words, ladies, you are not supposed to be a man. Men, you are not supposed to be ladies. Let me say that again. Ladies, you are not supposed to be a man. God did not design you to be a man. He may have pulled the first woman out of the man, but listen to the words. He pulled the first woman out of the man. In other words... He took something from man and made something completely opposite from man. In today's society, we have this idea that men and women are equal not equal in voting rights not equal in in talent or ability but equal as in they're all the same and all you got to do is watch tv for five minutes and you can see that we've begun to blend together the genders to the point that we can't really distinguish between the two can i tell you this morning men you're supposed to be men ladies you're supposed to be ladies god designed you that way i'm not on a soapbox i'm not some old school 1950s you know Against the government, I'm just telling you this is how God designed you to be, specifically for specific reasons. We are designed to to be that way. It says that, that suitable means that which is opposite and corresponds. Suitable means complementary. Complementary. Suitable means that they fit together. Listen. You think about my 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 son. My youngest son for Christmas wanted to buy my mother a puzzle, right? Like that's what he wanted to buy her was a puzzle. So he bought her a thousand piece Christmas puzzle. And then somehow we went over to their house and I got roped into helping put the puzzle together. Now there's not a whole lot I like less than putting a puzzle together. It is terrible. And especially when it's a thousand pieces and they're all little bitty pieces like this. And so you're trying to find what fits together. And sometimes you can take two pieces that don't fit together. And if you're like me and you're in a hurry, and a rush, you make them fit together. Right, guys? It doesn't work. The picture looks really stupid. But God designed you, man and woman, why? To be able to fit together seamlessly. This is important because later on we're going to come back to this, this part. So, so, number one, the first S word you need to hear today is the S word called suitable. Everybody say suitable. Say, I am suitable. Suitable. That's right. You're suitable. With your spouse, I want you to look at your spouse and say, baby, you're suitable. It's going to be the most romantic thing she's ever heard. Nobody wanted to say that. I hear a bunch of grumbling and mumbling. Like, I ain't saying that to her. The second, the second S word we're going to talk about today is the word Sin. So we got suitable, and then we got sin. Nobody wants to talk about sin, but sin is important to understand the breakdown in marriage. I need you to understand, first of all, that you are suitable. God created you suitable, but I need you to understand, second of all, that Adam and Eve brought sin into the world, and it messed up marriage. God designed marriage perfect. Adam and Eve messed it up because of sin. So the story goes that God told Adam, don't eat from this particular tree in the garden you can eat anything else you want don't eat of this one tree we all know how humans are if you tell us not to do something reverse psychology that's the first thing we want to do right and so what happens is one day eve finds herself at the tree right off the bat i'm going to go ahead and tell you eve you shouldn't have been at the tree if God says don't eat from this fruit, why are you hanging out? If, if your doctor told you that, that your your liver is messed up from too many years of alcohol, don't drink any more alcohol, why would you go hang out at the bar? Right? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Um, if, if you are not supposed to be eating sweets, don't go to Edgar's. I went the other day for breakfast. It was very difficult. I passed by the... the um, the cinnamon rolls, and it was at lunchtime, and they still had the cinnamon rolls out. And I, I felt like my dog just drooling, just drooling. I wanted the cinnamon rolls. Don't put yourself in a position where you're going to sin. That's a side note. But Eve put herself in a position where she was standing by the tree. All of a sudden, the serpent comes up and begins to talk to her. Uh, here's another little thought. If a snake ever tries to talk to you, don't talk back. <laughs> Shoot that thing in the head and walk away, Right? So so Eve is already, Eve is messed up. I mean, she's in the wrong place talking to the wrong people, right? And listen, this is how marriages can get messed up real quick. When we find ourselves in the wrong place talking to the wrong people instead of hanging out with our spouse and we're hanging out with everybody else, you're going to have a problem right off the bat. So, So that's what happens. The snake tells Eve, you need to eat of the fruit, goes into this long thing. I'm not going to get into it now. It's a whole nother message. Eve eats of the fruit. But here's the issue: Eve then turns and finds Adam and tells Adam he should eat of the fruit too. Adam knows what God already said. And what does Adam do? Adam eats of the fruit. And then they go and try to hide from God. They're full of shame and guilt. For the first time, sin enters the world. And then God shows up on the scene and God begins a hand down punishment, right? He punishes the snake. And then he goes to the woman in Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. There's a couple of things in 16 and 17 that I need you to pay attention to. If we're supposed to be suitable, we're supposed to be complementary. We're supposed to fit together. We're supposed to be opposite Right. But at the same time, working together, then then you need to hear what happens when sin comes in. Here's what God says to the woman. I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain you will give birth. Right off the bat, ladies, there was a time when birthing, when giving birth wasn't painful. Wouldn't that be amazing? And you listen, this is key. Underline this in your Bible or highlight it in your phone. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. You will desire to control your husband. I've been living with Eve for 18 years. I'm kidding. But he will rule over you. Can you see the frustration in that sentence right there for Eve? Can you see that all of a sudden Eve is given this desire to control her husband? Adam wasn't going to eat the fruit by himself. It wasn't until Eve stepped in and had him do it. Now, she didn't do it like you better do it. She did it in probably some kind of tempting way. Who knows? Right. But she did it in a way that she controlled what her husband was doing. But he will. So God says you're going to have a desire to control somebody that that you're not supposed to control. So there's going to be frustration now in marriage. And then he said to the man, since you listen to your wife. And I always think that's funny. It, right off the bat, guys, don't listen to your wife. That's the thing. That's what God's saying. No, 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 no. It's, it's not saying that. It's not saying I'm stupid. Don't, don't listen to me. Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed before, uh, because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. A couple of things I want you to notice. There are two areas of struggle in a relationship. For the woman, the area of struggle can be an area of desire for control. But for the man, it's a lack of leadership. God said you listen to the wrong person you're supposed to be leading this family and instead you're not operating in your role as a leader and when you don't operate in your role as a leader somebody else is going to step up and lead and when they step up and lead they're going to try to control you and your marriage is going to be out of whack and you're going to bring sin into the world. There are too many men in today's society that don't want to lead. They want to sit back and let someone else do it. Just let me go to work and come home and watch the football game. Don't mess with me with the family. Don't talk to me about the finances. Don't talk to me about the future. You take care of it, and we don't want to stand up and lead. There are too many men in today's society that don't want to lead spiritually. They don't want to step up and be the leader because it's easy to let the wife take the kids to church. And yet studies show that if a man goes to church, uh, his family is 84% more likely to go to church with him. When a woman goes to church, the family is only, I don't know, it drops like in half, like 50% or 40% more likely to go. There's something about men being leaders that changes the home. So when we say things like you need to submit or you need to serve... It grinds against thousands of years of DNA, spiritual DNA inside of us passed down from Adam and Eve. When I tell you ladies that you need to submit to your husbands right off the bat, you don't like it. Not because of what your mom and dad went through or your grandparents went through, although they may have had some bad marriages. It grinds against your spirit because of what happened to Eve thousands of years ago. And husbands, whenever I start calling you out today on your lack of leadership and the idea that you've got to serve your spouse, it's going to grind against thousands of years of apathy from man when Adam just decided to not lead in a situation where he should have stepped up and been the man. So understand that today, that as we talk, those are going to be the issues that we're going to deal with. So the next S word we're going to talk about, and this is where we're going to start getting into the roles of marriage is going to come out of Ephesians chapter 5, and it is the word submit. So the first S word was suitable. The second S word was sin. The third S word is going to be submit. We've got to learn how to submit. Ephesians chapter 5, if you would, let's turn there. If you got your Bibles out, if you want to work with your spouse on something after service today or this week, work on Ephesians chapter 5. Go through it and figure out what your role is in marriage. I promise you this is going to be a good one for you. Um, I've preached this before as far as Ephesians 5. I love this for marriages. Ephesians 5, 21, that's where we're going to start. It says this, and further um, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Can, Can someone tell me who we're submitting to? To one another. Did you notice that it didn't say women submit to men? Did you notice that? Now, later on, it's going to say wives submit to your husbands. But did you notice that right there it says submit to one another? That, so if, if we're submitting to one another, but yet I'm a leader um, in my home, if I'm a man and I'm a leader, how do I submit? What does submit mean? Maybe we don't have a good understanding of the word submit. So let's talk about what submit means. In the Greek, submit just, just means to understand your rank. Like it's a military term that there are different levels of rank in the military, and whenever I learn how to submit, that word just means that I learn how to fall in line with my rank. That I understand that I may be under someone, and I might be over someone, but I'm operating within my rank in the military. In your home, there has to be a head. There has to be leadership. There has to be structure. Why? Because that's how God designed us. But the word submit doesn't have to be bad. Submit can be good. And and here's another thing. Submit can be depending on the situation. One of the things that we, um, I I was thinking about when it comes to this, is there are different areas in my marriage where Perry submits to me and different areas where I submit to Perry. um, But at the end of the day, I'm still the leader in charge of the home. That's not a bad thing. Someone's got to lead. And there have been times in our lives and in our marriage where I was not good enough to lead. I struggled as the leader, and our marriage struggled. And so you got to understand something, but there are times when we both submit in different areas. There are areas, when we first got married, when we very very first got married, um, we started having to pay bills, right? You're having to pay bills. And, And the funny thing is, I had been paying bills. I had lived on my own. Um, for a while before I married Perry, she'd been living with her parents and she moved straight in with me from living with mom and dad. And, and so it was a struggle, you know, right off the bat right there for her. But, um, we, we were paying bills and, and one day, uh, she said, why am I getting a late notice from the power company? Like, why did we get a late notice? Didn't you pay the power bill? And I was like, oh man, I forgot to pay that power bill. And she said, well, do you want me to take over paying the bills? Like, no, no, no. I'm the man. I'm in charge. I pay all the bills. My dad paid the bills, I'm going to pay the bills. And then she's like, why does the water company keep telling us that we're behind for two months? i was like, oh man, I forgot to pay that water bill. And finally I was like, you know what? I'm going to submit. I'm going to let you pay all the bills. I'll help come up with the budget, but you pay all the bills because you are good at remembering to pay bills. Obviously I was not, Right? So what happened? Did did I become, um, did she become the man of the house? Did she become the leader of the home? No, she didn't become the leader of the home. In that situation, I submitted to her ability, that her ability in that area was much better than mine. We did a marriage night here a few weeks ago, and it was awesome. It was a great marriage night. Um, I don't know if you guys came to that and you enjoyed it. I hope you did, Um, but it was an amazing marriage night. But here's the thing. Uh, Most people understand that as I'm the pastor of this church, Which means I'm the one that's responsible for everything that happens under this roof, right? And under the name Gateway. I'm responsible for that. But for marriage night, I submitted to Pastor Jonathan. And I said, Jonathan, I'm going to let you run the marriage night. You say what you want to say. You get the speakers. You set the format. And I will do whatever you need me to do. Did did for that marriage night, was he the pastor of the church in that moment? Did all of a sudden he have to be responsible for the finances and be responsible for the mortgage and be responsible for whatever? No. But in that moment, I submitted to him and I served Pastor Jonathan. Whatever he needed, I'll go pick it up. I'll set the computer up. I'll do whatever you need me to do for this night. What happened? We learn how to submit one to another. In your marriage, there's going to be some things that the husband is better at than the wife. Wife, submit in those areas. There are going to be some things... ...husband, that she's better at than you... ...submit in those areas. In our home, um, I like a clean home. I don't like to have... ...you know, like food left out... ...and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. But I do not like... ...I do not enjoy the act of cleaning. Right? I don't enjoy that. It's not fun for me. Perry takes it to another level sometimes. So if someone wants to come over to our house... Um, literally it's, it's as simple as if my parents say, Hey, we're going to come over in 30 minutes to do something. It's like Perry goes into this mode, like, like red, her eyes fill with red and it's like clean the house. And so the house just, I mean, we're like cleaning everything we're, we're like scrubbing the floors and vacuuming the walls and we're doing it all. We're doing all the things. And I hate it. I hate it with every fiber of my being. But you know what I don't do? I don't take over and say, we're not doing this anymore. We're cleaning my way. Because if we clean my way, we'd be shoving stuff in the cabinets wrong just to hide it until my parents left. I submit, I submit in that area because I know if I submit to her leadership in cleaning the house, that it's going to get done and it's going to get done right. I may not like it while I'm doing it, but it's going to get done. Does that make sense? Does that make submit sound a little bit easier Um, when we talk about the idea of, of first of all, we have to submit to one another? So it's not just women. It's not just women. It's both of us. We all have to learn how to submit to each other. But there's still this idea of someone being the head, of someone being in charge. I'm still in charge of the church, even though I submit to Pastor Jonathan for marriage night. Right? I'm still in charge overall. So you got to have leadership. So let's talk about the wives for a minute. Ephesians chapter 5, 22 through 24. Ladies, this part's just for you. Husbands, you need to listen to this part. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really, it, it sounds funny, but I'm going to be serious here. Um, husbands, today's message is not going to be easy for you. It will be, honestly, ladies, today's message will be much easier for you. You think coming into a message about submit that it's going to be hard for you, it's going to be much easier for you than it is a men. Men, it's going to be much harder on us, and it should be, and it should be, because today we're going to talk about leadership, and and leadership shouldn't be easy. Leadership shouldn't be something we just roll out of bed and leadership falls off of us. Leadership should be something we have to work hard at, and so today it's going to be a little bit tougher for men. So ladies, um, sit back, enjoy, guys, buckle up. Uh, For the wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of his wife, Perry. The husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husbands in everything. In everything. The act of submission by a woman defeats the sin of Eve. Eve wants to control, but whenever a woman learns how to submit to leadership and authority, it destroys, it destroys the sin of Eve. The curse of Eve, right? And so we have to destroy that, that desire for control, and so we do that through submission. But here's a problem, is we have talked about the word submission and submissive wife for so many years that we've given a bad connotation, all right? There are different ways to submit, there are different ways to submit, and, and, and we need to understand today that a submissive wife does not mean a weak woman, Submissive wife does not mean that you are walked over. A submissive wife is a very powerful person. Emma, uh, Emma came home from volleyball practice, and she said, she said, our volleyball coach, um, her, her volleyball coach is a, a, a former pastor, and, and so his, him and his daughter are coaching the volleyball team, and she said, our volleyball coach gave us all words today, like words that reflect who we are. And I was like, oh, that's cool. What word did you get? And she said, I got meek. Meek. You know, she was so disappointed that she got meek. She said, Meek sounds weak. You know, it just sounds like and I said, No, 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 meek isn't weak. Meek means that you're very, very strong. You just have control of your strength. I said, Imagine the Hulk holding the little baby bird, right? He could crush it at any moment, but instead he controls his strength not to hurt it. Women, whenever we talk about being submissive, it doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you're less than. As a matter of fact, Um, I want you to look at Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31 is an awesome verse for women. I mean, awesome passage. Verses 10 through 31. Ladies, if I were a woman, I would read this every day. As a matter of fact, I do read this a lot because I read this for Perry. And um, these are the things I pray for Perry. These are the things I tell Perry about herself. And so this is a very good, very good uh, passage of scripture. But this talks about what a a submitted wife looks like. So check this out. Check this out. If you think submitted wives are weak, check this out. Verse 10. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Let me just start off right, right here by saying, gentlemen, it is very difficult to find a good wife. So whenever you start getting the seven-year itch or whatever it is, you've been married long enough that you start trying to look at the greener pastures on the other side of the cubicle on the other part of the office. Can I just tell you that finding a good wife is harder than finding a ruby? How many of you have ever found a ruby? None of you have, right? Why? Because it's very difficult to find. So don't think you're going to just throw a rock and end up hitting a good woman. It doesn't happen that way. They're hard to find. you got to seek them out. And when you find one, you hold on to her like a precious jewel. You don't let her go. You value her. So don't be looking around at some other other stones out there. Right? It's fool's gold. It ain't real. So verse, verse 10... She's more precious than Ruby. Verse 11, her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. In other words, she's trustworthy. He knows she's not gonna try to control me. She's not gonna try to manipulate me. She's not gonna try to nag me into doing something. Why? Because I can trust her with my heart. And not only can I trust her, but she enriches my life. She makes me a better leader. Man, that's a good wife. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Not only does she submit to leadership, she encourages leadership. Verse 13, this is going to be common right here. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. Uh, she, uh, she is like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn and prepares breakfast for her household and plans the day's work for her servant girls. Wait, hold on, what did that say again? She gets up before dawn and prepares breakfast for her household, including her husband. Let's preach on that for a minute. (laughs) What's the theme? The theme is that she's a hard worker. She's a hard worker. This woman doesn't just sit around. She she doesn't just lay around all day. She is a hard worker. It's going to be common throughout this. Verse 16, she goes to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. In other words, she's got an eye on the future. She's not spending everything on the present, right? She's got an eye on the future. This woman is smart. She's no dummy. She knows that I can't just go shopping and buy everything that I want to buy right now when I've got a future I've got to prepare for. She reinvests her money. She is energetic. Verse 17, she is energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting fiber. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're a stay at home mom or you're a professional mom or wife. It doesn't matter which one you do. The fact is the Bible says that a good, submissive, uh, virtuous wife is hardworking. You're hardworking. When you stay home, if you stay home all day, you're working hard at home. Man, you got a job to do, raising kids or cleaning the house or taking care of the food or taking care of whatever it is that you got to take care of at the house. You work hard. If you're out working a job, you work hard. You're driven. You're going after it. These are not bad things. People try to put women in this box that says, oh, you got to stay. I've heard preachers say this. They, they said, oh, the wife has to stay home. She can't work a job. And I want to raise my hand. By, Have you met my wife? Like, my wife will work you into the ground, buddy. Like, don't don't say that. And so the Bible here doesn't... He he never really goes into if she's at home all the time or she's working all the time because she's just a hard worker wherever she is, wherever she is. Verse 20, she extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. In other words, she's generous. She's not stingy. She's not selfish. She's generous. She loves people. Right, Gomez? She She buys shakes for the coach whenever... He's having a coach at 3 o'clock, and you know he's hungry. If I throw that stuff in every so often, then it just keeps Gomez buying me shakes. That's all it is. Verse 21. I love this one. This is one I, I feel like this is... Well, that's the next one. Uh, she has no fear for winter, uh, of winter for her household, for everyone has warm clothes. She makes her own bedspreads. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. In other words, she takes care of her family. Her husband is well-known at the city gates, where he sits with the other civic leaders. Not only is her husband a leader, but she doesn't distract from that. I've seen people before who, who, um, who were married, and one spouse, in, in this case that I'm talking about, it was the, it was the wife, was acting like such a fool... That the husband got in trouble at work. The wife showed up at his job acting a fool and the husband is one who got sent home. Now think about that for a minute. This woman says, my husband is well known at the city gates and I'm not going to hurt his reputation. Right? Verse 24, she makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to them. She is working. I mean, this girl works. She is clothed with strength and dignity. I love this. She laughs without fear of the future. Some versions say she looks forward to the future with joy. Why? Because she trusts God and she trusts her husband. That my future is not going to be scary. It's not going to be, I'm not going to get hurt. I'm not going to get beat up. I'm I'm not going to have nothing. I'm looking forward to the future because I trust my husband and I trust my God. Right? When she speaks, her words are wise and she gives instructions with kindness. Her words are wise and she's not nagging or mean-spirited. Like whenever she speaks, she speaks with wisdom. One of the things I pray over Perry all the time is that God would give her wisdom. Not just intelligence. There's a difference between wisdom and intelligence. I've seen smart people be real stupid. Right? Like I, I knew a guy one time that was crazy smart. Like multiple PhDs and master's degrees and all the things. And, and the cops picked him up running down the street naked with baby oil all over his body. And when they picked him up, they said, what are you doing? He said, my trash can told me to do it. Like crazy, right? That ain't smart. So I pray for my wife. God, give her wisdom because she's very intelligent. But God, give her wisdom. Every time she opens her mouth, let the words be wise. Let it be something that's going to change someone's life. Verse 27, she carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. So she didn't put up with laziness in herself or in anybody in her household, including her husband. I remember one time, man, I got to get through this because I got to get to the husbands. But I remember one time Perry asking me something. She's like, what did you do at work today? And I couldn't give her a straight answer. It was just one of those days where I don't know what I was doing at work, but I couldn't give her a really good answer of all the hard things I did at work today. And she just looked back at me and she was like, you're lazy. You need to work harder. And from that moment on, like I was crushed and, and my feelings were really hurt. And I, obviously, because I'm still talking about it 18 years later, but... Um, I was like, I'm going to work my butt off. Like, I'm going to work and work and work. Why? Because I, if my wife doesn't suffer laziness, I'm not going to suffer laziness. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to work hard. And, and, and I love that about her. She does, not like, she does not like her kids to be lazy either. I mean, if my kids, Perry will tell me all the time, she's like, don't you take that trash out. You tell that boy to take that trash out. You know, like, get them working. Her children stand and bless her. Stand up. Just kidding. Um, Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. The most important virtue of a woman is that she fears the Lord. Ladies, if you want to have a great marriage, you need to fear the Lord. You need to serve God with all your heart. When you serve God with everything you've got, I promise you, the rest of it will work itself out. Your relationship with your husband will be better if you will learn to love Jesus. Verse 31, guys, we need to do this. This is for us, not for her. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds uh, publicly declare her praise. Guys, we should reward our wives for all that they do. We should bless her and be a blessing to her. All right. So, ladies, are we good? Are we okay that being submissive doesn't mean that we're weak? And, or not me, I'm not a part of you, but um, mean that you're weak, right? We understand that this submissive woman is very strong. She's very capable. She's very intelligent. She's very wise. She's a hard worker. She, she knows how to invest. She knows how to spend money. She, she's really good at what she does. That's what a wife should look like right there. Men, it's our turn. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 30. And I've got three things to talk about on this one, and then we're going to be done. Verse 25, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Let's repeat that. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Right off the bat, guys, she may have to submit to you, but you have to die for her. You have to be willing to lay down your life for her. ...to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church... ...without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives... ...that word love there means agape, we talked about that before... ...ought to agape their wives as they love their own bodies... ...for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds it and cares for it... ...just as Christ cares for the church... We have to learn how to love like Christ. As men, we want all the respect, but we don't want all the responsibility. And I'm telling you today, if you want the respect, you've got to pick up the responsibility. There is work to be done, gentlemen. If we want our wives to submit, we need to give her someone worthy of submitting to. Jake is back in the back, and Jake is a wrestler. I would not fight Jake. Jake is big, right, and strong. Jake would tell you, if, he, if, if I wanted to get Jake up here to wrestle against Jonathan, because I wouldn't do it myself. <laughs> Jake, I'm wondering how fast you can make Jonathan submit. How fast do you think you can make him submit to you? He's being humble. He's being humble. But he did this. He did this, which means five seconds. He says in five seconds, I could put Jonathan in a hole that he would submit, right? I I have a friend of mine who is a black belt in in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and he looks like a nerd, like he doesn't look very um tough at all and he was at florida state one time and he did campus missions and he was at florida state and he was telling people about jesus and there was a bar across the street from where he was and, and these guys from the bar um came over this guy came over with some of his buddies and they were drunk and they started hitting on the girls and saying very rude things to the girls that were with my friend and my friend said you need to go back to your bar and they looked at my friend who looked like a nerd, but they didn't realize he was a black belt in jiu-jitsu. And they, said, they started trying to pick a fight with him. He said, listen, man, I really don't want to do this. But they, they wanted to do it. And so they grabbed my friend. And when they did, my friend, within, within like the first five seconds, had him wrapped up and choked out, like out on the ground. And all of a sudden, the people at the bar started screaming at all the other drunks that were over there because the other guys started getting scared. And they were like... Leave the Jesus people alone. And it was so great of a story. The point is, there are multiple ways to make someone submit, right? You can make someone submit by force. Or you can make someone submit by being worthy. And what husbands tend to do in in our world today is they want to make their wife submit by force. I'm the man. You do what I say. Can I tell you something? When you start stepping into that role, Eve is going to rise up and she ain't going to submit. But if you're worthy, Jesus never does that to us. Jesus never does that to us. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, I love you so much. I'll die on the cross for your sins. Even if you are the worst, even if you hate me, I'll still love you and I'll still die for you. And so whenever I see Jesus, I say, I'm willing to submit. I'm willing to submit. There's an idea that, that we get in our brain. And, and when I was first married, this was our struggle. Our struggle was, I saw my dad, who is, a, who is a very strong leader, but I was seeing my dad, who at the time that Perry and I first got married, had already been married for over 30 years. Like, he had already been, or maybe not that, I don't remember at that point how old. You're pretty old now, and so am I. So, um, We're at a point now where like decades are just like, you know, they just vanish on us, you know. But my dad had been married for a number of years. My whole life he'd been married. And so I'm looking at where he is at that point in his marriage and thinking, thinking that, thinking, yeah, they've been married my whole life, believe it or not. It's crazy. And um, see, y'all can't be stupid. You messed me up. And, and so and so, I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking, I've got to be like that, like he is right then, instead of learning how to be the man that I was supposed to be at that point. And I tell you guys all the time, we view our marriage as young, but look, we were young. I was in my early 20s when we got married, I think, how old was I, 23? I was 23 when we got married, and I was act, trying to act like I was 43, like I tried to act like I was the man, and I was not, I was the boy, right? And so I tried to force her into, into submitting as a wife. And I tried to make all the decisions. And I tried to be the man. I tried to be in charge. And the more I tried to be something I wasn't, the more she resisted. And we had fight after fight after fight. And we struggled and we struggled and we struggled. Because I wasn't being a person worthy of being submitted to. And the more I tried to force something, the more she tried to bucket. And we just went round and round and round. So, men, we have to be worthy of being submitted to. So how did Jesus love the church? He loved the church because he sacrificed himself. Jesus sacrificed himself. The word agape is a self-giving without expectation of return. When I agape my wife, I give her whatever I can from myself. I sacrifice whatever I can of myself without expecting her to give me something back. It took me a long time to figure that out. I used to think if I wash the dishes... Right. If I clean the room, then I'm going to get something later on. And then when it didn't happen, I was very frustrated and mad. Why? Because I was erosing my wife, not agapeing my wife. Eros comes from a place of, uh, of romance and lust can be not from a place of sacrifice. So lots of guys like to eros their wife. Not a lot of guys like to agape their wife. If you don't know what those mean, go back to our first message in the series on love. But the idea is that whenever I agape, I give without expectation of return. Agape means to love the unlovable. Agape means to love even when I'm rejected. Even when I'm rejected, I still love. Gentlemen, if we can't love like that, then we're going to struggle in our marriage. We're going to struggle in our marriage. The Bible tells the story of Hosea and Gomer. I love their names, right? If they were a celebrity couple, they'd be Homer. Um, Hosea and Gomer. God tells Hosea, I want you to go marry Gomer. Hosea looks down the street and he sees Gomer in the red light district standing out on the side of the road flashing her little leg, right? She was a prostitute. Hosea's like, whoa, you want to marry a prostitute? And God's like, yeah, go marry her. So Hosea did it. He went and bought her. And, and, and took her home and married her. And within like three months, old girl is back being a prostitute. And Hosea was probably like, oh, good. Whew, I got out of that one. And God's like, go buy her back. Like, I want you to go get her back out of prostitution, bring her home and have some babies. And Hosea and was like, what? This is the worst sermon illustration ever. But he did it like multiple times. What was God illustrating? God was illustrating Christ's love for us. That although we may leave, he still goes back and gets us. Listen, I hate to tell you guys this, but agape love says, I love you even whenever you don't act lovable. I love you even when you mess up. I love you even if you reject me. I'm still going to love you. I'm going to love you until the point I can't love you anymore. I'm going to just keep loving you. The second thing is this. Jesus served others. How many times did we read about Jesus doing stuff for other people? How many times did we read about Jesus being tired, but he still healed a bunch of folks? How many times did we read about Jesus washing the disciples' feet? Like like how often does Jesus have to serve before we get it in our heads that a real leader serves other people? A real leader isn't about controlling other people. A real leader is about serving the needs of other people. And husbands, we have to serve the needs of our spouse. The Bible just told us in Ephesians, Paul said, A man takes care of his own body, why shouldn't he take care of his wife? God pulled her out of your ribs, she's part of who you are. Take care of her like she's you. Love her, feed her. That was kind of a weird one that Paul said, but you get the point. Give whatever she needs. We talked last week about the idea that we've got to be providers. We've got to provide um, for, our, for our marriage so, uh, spiritually. We've got to provide emotionally. We've got to provide physically. Like these are areas that we have to provide, and husbands, we lead the way in that. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8 says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. In other words, Jesus showed up and said, It's not about you serving me, it's about me serving you first. We got to serve. We got to serve our spouse. We got to find ways, guys we got to find ways to serve our spouse. So don't, don't come at me saying, I'm the man, bless God, I don't have to serve. No, 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 no. If you're the man and you're like Christ, you have to serve. Yeah, but that's going to make me look like a weak, uh, weak uh, husband and, and my buddies are going to be making fun of me. Who cares what your buddies say? This is about eternity. This is about you and your spouse uh, being married and staying married and have a strong marriage. I don't care what your buddies say. Your buddies are divorced. Your buddies are are still sleeping around. Your buddies are a bunch of dummies. You need to serve your wife. Give her everything you got. Serve your wife. The last one is this. Jesus leads us spiritually. And we have to lead her spiritually. It says in there an interesting thing. And I, I, I've read this one multiple times, and it's honestly it kind of bothers me a little bit because it says that Jesus washed uh, the church with the washing of the word, right? And, and then he starts applying that to us. Like, we got to wash our wife with the word? Like, that doesn't make any sense. It sounds kind of weird. And then, and so I, I used to think, well, it has to do with the Bible. And you got to, maybe it means that you read the Bible to her? I don't know. That sounded weird, too. Like, I'm not going to read the Bible to Perry. It's not what we do. And so then I started doing a little bit of studying, and I realized that the word, word there doesn't mean, uh, there's two words for word in the Greek. One is logos, which means written word, which means the Bible, right? The Bible is called the logos of God, the the written word. Hey, can you not do that next time I'm preaching? Whichever one of y'all did that, stop it. I'm about to wash y'all with the word. Like, sometimes when stuff like that happens, like, I thought I was being electrocuted, even though, like, I didn't feel anything, but it felt like something was happening on the inside of me. Y'all ever get that feeling? Like, it scared me real bad, and I tried to be funny to play it off, but then, like, all of a sudden, like, all my nerves just kind of got to me just now. I kind of need a breath, to be honest with you. I sure hope the Holy Spirit wasn't moving in that moment, because we just ruined it. <laughs> Logos is a written word, so I'm not giving her the written word. God already gave her that. There's another word for, for word in the Greek, and it's the word rhema. Rhema means uh, spoken word, but it also means revelation word. In other words, it's, it's I speak over my wife. I speak the word of God over my wife. But I speak the truth of God over my wife. And not only do I speak it over her, I speak it in her. Gentlemen, we have to lead. Listen to me. I'm not saying you should lead. I'm telling you, you have to lead. Spiritually in your home. We should be done with the days of the women having to play the role of the spiritual leader in the home. Not that she can't lead spiritually, I think she can. My wife is an excellent leader spiritually. When on the rare occasion I can con her into getting on stage and speaking, she does an awesome job. She is very spiritual, very wise. But what's happened is, it's not that women can't lead and they can't speak and they can't do things. It's that men have refused to for so long that they now feel like they have to. Men, we should be the first ones to step up and lead our family spiritually. And it starts with what you're speaking over them. So you pray with your wife. You pray over your wife. Gabriel, do you pray with your wife every single day? Absolutely not. I wish I did. I wish I did. We pray a lot, but we don't pray every day. There's some days we miss it. And I've told you guys this before, and I'm not bragging. I'm just, I'm honestly just trying to give you tips and hints. But like whenever I write my wife little notes, and I try to write her a note almost every day. And and, and when I write her little notes, there are times times when I write her funny jokes. There are times when I write her sayings about being a great teacher and things that I think will help her in her day. But there's a lot of times I will write the word of God out. And then I will tell her in the note what I think that means. So I give her the logos, the, the word of God, and I give her the rhema, what I feel like is revelation to me for her for that day. Am I right, babe? I'm not lying right we got to take responsibility to speak over her speak truth to her seek god with your spouse and for your spouse perry and i are facing a not a crisis at all but we're facing a, a situation for our future and and um it's this it's a situation where we're trying to choose whether or not we should stay here or go to another church no i'm just kidding Every time, every time a pastor says we're facing something in our future, everybody's like, oh, he's leaving. No. Um, no nobody else wants me but you, so I'm good. But we're, we're, we're talking about the, the possibility of building a house in our future and, and building a house together. And we're excited about that, of course, to be together. I wouldn't build it separate. Um, but building a house. And, and uh, yesterday we were, we were talking about it. And, and one of the things she said was, she said, I'm, I'm not afraid of the future. Like, I trust God. And I said, oh, I trust God completely. I just don't trust myself. You know what I mean? Like, I trust God with everything. I don't trust me. And she said, yeah, but I trust you. I trust you. What was happening? In that moment, she is, she is being spiritual, but at the same time, she's submitting to, to the head. Even in a moment that I'm a little bit scared. Like, I'm a little bit concerned. It's important for you to see that, that we got to seek God together. And yes, gentlemen, we seek God together, but you have to make a decision. There are times when you have to lead. You have to step out and listen to God. And what is God saying? Your wife doesn't want to hear what what Gabriel has to say about God. Your wife doesn't want to hear what Stephen Furtick has to say about God. Your wife doesn't want to hear what Chris Hodges has to say about God. Your wife wants to hear what you have to say. What is God saying to you? You're just as much uh, a Christian as I am. So God can speak to each and every one of you just as much as he can speak to me. Let's end here. Ephesians 5, 31 through 33. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So I say again, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must Respect her husband. He said this, the two become one. You and your spouse are a unity together. You are one unit. You're one entity. And it's important to understand that in that one entity, somebody's got to take the lead. Men, that's our job. That's our responsibility to take the lead. Now, here's the thing. You have to choose how you're going to lead. Are you going to lead by control? Or are you going to lead through care? Paul says, you love her like you love your own body. You care for her. You don't try to control her. You try to care for her. And ladies, he says to you, respect your husband. Which means you defer to him in his place of leadership. You encourage him in his place of leadership. Yeah, but Gabriel, I'm a, I'm a driven person. There's lots of driven people. My wife is very driven. Like, if you've ever met her, she is the most competitive person in the world. And it's super annoying. Because no matter what we do, she has to finish first. If we're washing dishes, she has to finish first. If we go play basketball, I win every time. But she has to finish first. Like, she always, lets one more shot. You know, best best five out of seven. You know, it's like, no, let's be done. Like, can we quit? She is super competitive in everything. As a matter of fact, right now, she's thinking... He's not talking about ping pong because I've never beaten her in ping pong. But she wants me to say that because she's so competitive. She didn't want to hear that I beat her in basketball. She's super driven. She's got a degree from Auburn University. She's got a master's degree from UAB. Every school that she's been in um, so far, ex- except for this one, which is coming soon, I'm sure, she's one teacher of the year. She's, she's always been placed as the head of whatever her unit is in her classrooms. Uh, this year, she's never had to be a mentor at her school. They have mentors at their school for other teachers. She's never had to be a mentor, and then all of a sudden, she's in charge of all the mentors. Like She is very driven very go-getter kind of person. She would be the most difficult person to ever submit. And yet she submits to me. And I'm a nobody. I don't have a degree. I don't have anything special. I've never won an award. The closest I ever came was in fourth grade when I drew a picture of a parrot and I came in second place. I don't win anything. I don't do anything special. And, and she has every right to be like, I'm better than him. I'm not going to submit to him. But she also knows God's word and she knows that I love her and I care for her and I'm not trying to control her. And so I'm trying to create an environment where submission is easy, not difficult. I'm trying to help some of you ladies out there today and some of you men who feel insignificant. I've heard from men all the time. They say, they say, Gabriel, I just don't feel good enough to be a spiritual leader. I don't know God's word that well. I haven't been saved that long. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You lead spiritually. If you only know one verse, then you speak that verse over your wife. You love your wife. You pray for your wife. If you don't know how to pray and the only thing you can say is, hey, Jesus, how you doing today? Then that's what you pray for your wife. I don't care what it is. is. not you stand up with me today? The most important part of that passage we just read, 30 through 33, was verse 30. It says, we are members of his body. The most important thing we can do in marriage is to be members of his body. It's to serve him, to love him. You may not know how to be the best spiritual leader, but if you love Jesus, that's a a great start. You may not know how to submit and everything, and you may struggle with it sometimes, but if you love Jesus, that's a great start. Because the closer we get to him, the more like him we become. And today, if you're not serving Jesus... This is your day to start. This is your day to give Him your life. This is your day to start pursuing Him. This is your day to lay down your sin, to lay down your pride, to step away from the old things that you've been doing that haven't led you down any good paths and step towards a path that only Christ could lead you on. Today's the day that we not only make Him our Savior, which means He forgives us of our sins, and I promise you, He will forgive whatever sin you've got hidden in your closet today. It doesn't bother Him. Because he's seen worse. I promise you that. You've got to open everything up to him. But he wants to save you. He wants to forgive your sins. But he also wants to be your, be your leader. He wants to be your king. He wants to be the one that leads you and guides you in life. I want you you close your eyes with me this morning. If you say, Gabriel, I need to give my life to Jesus Christ today. I want you just to hold your hand up. Nobody's looking around but me. You can hold your hand up. And I want to know who I need to pray for this morning. Maybe you're embarrassed. Maybe you're scared. That's okay. Nobody's going to bother you. Let's pray right now. Here's what I want you to do. If you're not serving Christ, but you want to give him your life, I want you to pray to him. I want you to ask him today to forgive you of your sins. I want you to ask him right now in your own voice. You don't have to worry about me. You don't have to repeat anything I'm saying, but you need to ask him today to forgive you of your sins. You need to, you need to ask him today to be the Lord of your life, the one that rules and reigns, that, that you're going to follow him all the days of your life. You need to repent, which just means to say that I'm sorry for what I've been doing, and I want to change, and I'm going to turn away from those old ways, and I'm going to turn towards Jesus. Maybe today you're in the room and you're saying, Gabriel, I struggled in my marriage because I haven't been willing to submit. I've struggled in the area of submission and I felt like it was a weakness. I felt like it it was very difficult. But today I want to start that process. I don't want the curse of Eve on my life. I don't want to always be frustrated by trying to control. I want to learn to submit, to find my rank, to find my place in this marriage. That's what I want to do today then I want you to begin to pray right now and just ask God to break that curse of Eve. Ask God right now to to help you today to find ways to submit. Maybe today you're saying my marriage is struggling because I've been trying to control it. Or I have been very apathetic and I haven't been the leader I'm supposed to be. I haven't taken up the responsibility I'm supposed to take up. I, I, I've, I've been looking for rewards instead of look, looking for places I can serve. I've been looking for, for for some feedback instead of looking for places I can sacrifice. And today I want to be like Jesus. I want to lead my family well. I want to love my family well. I don't want to just Eros and I don't want to just phileo. I want to Agape. I want to give, give my family everything that i've got today if that's you begin to pray and begin to ask god so god right now we just pray in this room and we just ask you to heal our marriages ask us ask you to heal our hearts god where where sin has crept in and hurt us and broken us god today we want to give you everything that we've got and we just ask you to come in and redeem our lives change us don't let us be the same god we don't want to keep living an old lifestyle god we want to live a new life in christ You said in your word, God, that whenever we come to you, that the old is gone, the new has come. We can be made new creatures. And today, God, not only do I want to be a new creature, I want to be a new husband. I want to be the kind of husband that loves his wife and his family, God. I want to be the kind of husband that loves like you do, that leads like you do. God, there may be some wives out here today that need to be new wives. God, they need to be a new creature today. And I just pray for them right now that you would help them to find that place of transformation. So, God, we love you so much, and we thank you for what you've done in our lives and in our community. Help our marriages, God, to be a beacon of light and hope to other people around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.